0: Puffs Nation. The podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now,
1: here's Tyler and Jared.
0: Oh, what's going on? Welcome into another off-season edition of the Puffs Nation podcast. I'm Tyler Walgi, he is Jared All a.k.a. Giraldo at Large, to my right. You ever watch Giraldo at Large? Uh, A few times. It comes on (laughs) after, you know, some of the shows you watch. And you think I could pull that mustache off? I mean, I got a mustache You do. You have a killer mustache, Tyler. I never (laughs) saw that look for you, but you you pull it off, buddy. So we find ourselves back in the studio about a week or so after doing the Mel Tucker podcast. Last week, uh, off-season podcast number one, Mad at Mel. And we were certainly not happy, but uh, I think we did our airing of grievances we got all of our negative emotions out of the way and now it's all positive moving forward the buffalo's name carl Durrell, the head coach for hopefully the long time coming up here for the cu buffs so jared i know we're going to go a lot of different directions but i want to hear i got to hear and i think i already know the answer to this question what was your initial reaction when you heard It wasn't Steve Sarkeesian because he passed. It wasn't Butch Jones because he passed. It wasn't Eric Biennemi because he passed. It was Carl Durrell, wide receivers coach of the Miami Dolphins. What were your first thoughts? I think uh, most of Buffs Nation will share this uh,
1: opinion with me, but i I just say I was underwhelmed, you know, just kind of uh, less than enthusiastic when I literally had to go search the name to see (laughs) who this was when they hired. I'm like, who?
0: What? Well, that's what a lot of our uh, listeners said as well. I posted on Facebook, you know, the whole Carl Durrell news, and the uh, we got a couple gifs, or is it GIF or JIF, I whatever guess, it is. Gif, G- I got a couple gifs of people going, "Who? You know, who's this guy?" Yeah. But he's been at CU before. We'll talk about his past, how he got here, uh, and, and kind of who he was as a head coach. But Jared, I talked to you a couple days ago. Your brother. It, it seems like there's either two camps. There's either everyone who's excited. He's he's a CU guy. Let's go forward. Let's be positive. Or there's everybody who is really kind of disappointed because they were expecting one of these huge, sexy names, and it just didn't happen.
1: And, and, and let me clarify what my response there is in that saying, I was underwhelmed, but when you compare him to some of the other names that seem to be legitimate contenders, I... I, I can't say that I you know, like him any less than any of those guys. I actually like him probably more than just about every name I heard. I think Biennemi probably being well, the, the, the one the three name. main
0: names that, that were yeah. announced out there, Steve Sarkeesian, who passed, I think that would have been a really good hire. Uh, Eric Biennemi, like you said, passed. And then Butch Jones. A lot of people go, ah, Butch Jones. So that would have been a good hire as well. I thought. I think CU had some opportunities, given what had happened and when it happened during the year. It's not often that you can talk to coaches like that and at least get some stuff lined up. But Carl Durrell is the head coach, and... Yeah, he's got a lot of experience. He's
1: been around a lot of different programs. Yeah. He's, he's been coaching for about 30 years now. He's been with 15 different programs. Well, so, so there's so, positives and negatives let, to let, that. Let's
0: dive in. Let's kind of go through his history, What where Carl Durrell started, how he got here. Uh, first job, 1988. A graduate assistant at UCLA. They finished that year 10-2, and two, uh, which is not really that relevant, because I don't know how much of an impact you have as a grad assistant on any given team, but nonetheless, he hey, was he held a, a clipboard really, really <laughs> he well. Was part of a winning team. Next year, 1989, went to uh, Central Florida as a wide receivers coach, which I, that's where he's going to find his niche the next 20, 30 years as a wide receivers coach. Clearly, that's where he's very, very good. Uh, he, that was his first real job, 1989, in Central Florida. Then was off in 1990 to Northern Arizona. He took over as the offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach, and things actually improved greatly at Northern Arizona. In his first year as offensive coordinator, uh, his offense, talking about uh, Carl Durrell, his offense was second in school history for yards and first in school history for first down. So they moved the football. He knew what he was doing, but that was the early 90s. I can just hear all you guys out there in your cars right now. Tyler, football was different 30 years ago, and I agree, but it's nevertheless... Or, 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 there's no doubt about it. When you go into a co- into a program like Northern Arizona that really hadn't done much, and you turn things around quickly, it's positive. And when you start looking at the type of offense they ran, they did throw the ball better than almost any other team in their in their conference back then, which is which was promising for the '90s, an era where a lot of teams were running the football. So that was 1990, 1991, on to 1992, where uh, Darrell had his first stint at the University of Colorado as a guess what wide receivers coach. And CU had some great numbers that year. Charles Johnson, Michael Westbrook, all, I believe, 1,000-yard yes. receivers. Yeah, the fourth time in NCAA history. Yeah, so, so production, production, production from the offense with Carl Durrell. 1994, he went as the uh, wide receiver coach at Arizona State. So he was with CU, 92-93, and then 94 went over to ASU. Then 1995, he came back to Boulder under head coach Rick Neuheisel. 1995 through 1998. And I tell you what, the first year he took over as an offensive coordinator after that, it, things were looking good. But here, let's, let's stay with CU, okay? So Carl Durrell, 95-98, to 98, he was learning under a good head coach, I think, Rick Neuheisel, good system, developing receivers, and learning under those you know, those four years how to, how to kind of take his guys to the next level.
1: And just to interject there, uh, I think when you talk about his his first stint as an offensive coordinator at Northern Arizona, and then his second stint with Colorado, you know, the early 90s, mid-90s, that was a, a time in, in, in NFL and college football, that was when you really saw a passing offense really start to explode. Looking at CU specifically, that was really when they transitioned from the option run offense, that was when you got guys like Cordell Stewart, some of those other guys there, really start opening up, so what that tells me about Carl Dorrell is he understands how to be innovative how to be ahead of the curve because you saw that in the type of offenses the type of plays that he liked to run so very very good to see that and and you know during his stand at Colorado those are some of the most prolific years of offense that this university has ever seen and like you said I think he was under some great direction from Rick Neuheisel that was a a time when CU was at the top of the country in recruiting and I think he did really well through that process. So that is probably, as I started to dive into Carl Duaro where you start to go, okay, you know what? I really like some of the things
0: I'm seeing about what this guy has done. Yeah, he showed signs of uh, being a progressive in his past, and I think he's brought that with him. You look at his last couple jobs, and we'll get there. The Jets, the Dolphins, so on and so forth. And, you know, things may be not too <laughs> promising for for Carl Durrell in terms of the the actual teams but folks you guys got to get past that. I mean, who here plays fantasy football? Raise your hand unless both hands are on the wheel and you're driving. Look at what the Jets and Dolphins have done the last couple of years. I mean, there are still good. I think that everyone wants to rag on those teams and anyone coming from those teams can't be a good coach, but that's certainly not the issue. All right, let's move on Carl Durrell. That was 1995 to 1990 uh uh, 1998, and then he went and followed uh, Rick Neuheisel to Washington. After that, obviously, we all know about Rick Neuheisel up and leaving the buff, similar to Mel Tucker going to Washington. Well, not a good, not a good mark on the record, you know. And, and, and look, guys, I'm all about Carl Durrell. I think it was a good hire. I, I'm, I'm more on this than Jared is. But we're being factually correct here. And he did up and leave Boulder once before to follow Rick Neuheisel. Do I think it's going to happen again? No, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But, Jared, the fact is, he did it once before. So It was a long time ago, though. He was a young young coach
1: and I think had an opportunity to follow the guy that was his mentor at that time.
0: We can't hold it against him, but, again, we're being factually correct here and we have to at least mention it in one way or another. Uh, All right, so let's go on to uh, 1999. Again, like I said, he follows him to Washington in that year. 27.5 points per game, their offense averaged. And I mean, that's very good. If you look at some of these games, Washington wasn't losing because of the offense. They're losing because they're giving up a lot of points on defense, and so... I think it's promising. I mean, everywhere he went in his career and when he took over, it seems like his team's won. Now, now they didn't go to national championships, but it's not like this guy has flamed and burned everywhere he went. The one common thing I heard from CU fans when this hire was made is, yeah, he's, all, he, he's never won before. He's average everywhere he's been. It's like, I don't see that. I look at his track record and it looks like he goes into places and immediately is able to not necessarily turn things around from a 500 team to an undefeated team, but there's always improvement. And I think that's what we're asking for now in Boulder. We want to see improvement. If we win eight games next year, it doesn't matter who's the head coach. That's improvement for the CU Buffs. Now, kind of interesting here, before we go on past 1999, Carl Durrell had an interesting opportunity with the Denver Broncos. In 1993 and 1999, Carl Durrell was the recipient of the Denver Broncos Minority Coaching Fellowship Award, which allowed him to spend more time around the Broncos and more time around NFL talent, which helped him early in his career. In 2000, he was actually hired by Mike Shanahan on the Denver Broncos as wide receivers coach for a couple years until getting his opportunity at ucla as a head coach at ucla jared uh 35 and 27 i think you know he, he had four years where he was either 500 right around 500 and one 10 and two year that tells me and in, in the years where the pac-12 was playing good football you know he was across the the the, the, the city from UCL or uh, excuse me USC and Pete who Carroll's was a powerhouse Hayden. absolutely I think they did what they could do at that time with what they had and keep in mind this is coming off of a UCLA program who had a lot of infractions they had re- uh, recruiting violations and a lot so Durrell was taking over a program that was had a black eye so for them to go six and six six and seven ten and two that shows great improvement from Carl Durrell to take over that Ucla program
1: and you just said something that I think was a big indicator and why CU looked at Carl Durrell as a good fit for their program is not that that CU is dealing with the type of uh, turmoil that UCLA was at that time, but he came in, he was brought in at that time at UCLA. He settled the, he, he righted the ship, he settled a program in disarray. And I think right now that's what the buffs are looking for. Somebody to come in and settle and get everybody kind of on the same page, get everyone moving in the same direction again. So I do think it, that that, played into why
0: Rick George and, and this uh, committee decided to bring on uh, Carl Durant. Well And here's the one thing that I, I'm going to hear a lot from fans and on social media is everyone wants to reference his time at UCLA as a head coach. But, guys, that was 13 years ago. There's been a lot of changes since then. He's been with the Houston Texans, Vanderbilt, the New York Jets, and the Miami Dolphins since then. Football's changed. I mean, just look at how the sport has changed. In that time. I mean, you talk about how he's he's changed, he's grown up, he's matured. The sport itself has completely turned. I mean, things are now much more offensive, much more in his wheelhouse. So, look, it that, that kind of does it for his his resume, where he's been, his coaching history. And, yeah, what's that, Jared? I was just going to say, uh, let me just ask you this. Yeah. And, and to all of our listeners
1: out there, I want you to truly think about this. If I were to tell you over the next five years, CU has no less than six wins, which puts them in a bowl every year and has one year with 10 wins, or at least one year with 10 wins. People go crazy. You'd be happy, right? No, no and and that's, it. goes back to our conversation on our last show about what, where you are as a program and where you think you are as a program and the reality is is do i want to see the buffs as a six win program over the next five years no I, I would be i would be disappointed if we're only getting six wins every year but you come in and tell me next year he gets six seven eight wins and you can continue to build off of that like you said this was a young guy in his 30s at that time i believe late 30s at that time now in his 50s he's been around a lot of programs he spent a lot of time in the NFL seeing things on a different side of things, and, and you really, you gain and you grow so much. I mean, how many coaches, let's use Pete Carroll as an example, a guy that failed at the NFL level, his first stint in the NFL, goes to college, spends time at US, USC, develops his craft, understands how he wants to be a coach, goes to the NFL, now is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Yeah. Guys need sometimes that extra time to learn
0: and grow. Now, I'm not going to hold anything against him, what he's done. By the way, 30, 30, what is it, 37 and 25? Uh, 35 that, right? and twenty. 35 and 27 Stop! Yeah, bad eight record, games man. above 500 yeah, again. Like, uh, by the way, just last on last it.
1: what three or four coaches for the Buffs could not. I believe four coaches
0: in a row now could not say they had a winning record. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, so so look, everyone Including wants to beggars can't be choosers. Everyone wants to just say, oh, he hasn't been good. It's like guys. Who are you expecting? And they get these big names like Eric Enemy, You're not going to always get those hires, and it can't be the end of the world when you don't get that big name. Here's my one issue
1: that I have. I, I actually, I, I'm not I'm, like I told you at the start of the show. I'm less than enthusiastic about it because sure. it's, it's it's not something that just gets gets you going. But there's one thing that just okay, well,
0: well. Next, we're going to get to pros and cons. So let's start off. This is this could be a in the con category. What do you got here? I just think the the type of high what 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 the boss were
1: looking to do going back to when they hired Mel Tucker I think they hired Mel Tucker betting on potential as a guy coming from the SEC known as a great recruiter they thought man this guy can take our programs to high levels I think you're hiring a car, Carl Carl betting on consistency you're bringing somebody home somebody who knows the program knows you you know he's not going anywhere but I I think you had that guy sitting right in front of you in Darren Cheverini and, and and I wonder if in my mind, that's the higher and what it should have been. Because it, it, I, I'm afraid right now, Darren Cheverini's gone radio silence since this hire, and I don't know that he's on the program. I would argue right now, Darren Cheverini is more important to this program than Carl Durell.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, everyone who's followed CU knows Darren Cheverini's a big part of recruiting and, and the coaching staff and the players like him. I think he's a hell of a, a, a guy. He's got great character. He's a good coach. But we talked about this before. I'm not so sure he's ready. And I think there could maybe be some sort of Josh McDaniels with the Patriots type of thing where, I mean, look, a lot of people think that Rob Kraft, Bob Kraft, has gone behind the scenes and said, look, Josh, once Bill Belichick leaves this as your team, that's why he hasn't taken a lot of these other jobs. I think that could be the same thing here at CU. Now, you don't want to hire Carl Durrell just to fire him in a few years, but I think there could be some, look, from Rick George to Darren Chivarini, this is yours. We need you to grow. You're a CU guy. Let's keep you around here. We're going to give you a whole lot of power. And when this comes up, you're always going to be the guy now i guarantee you now i actually don't want to say that because i don't want to speak for darren chivarini i don't want to guarantee anything but my, my 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 thought would be that he probably wasn't happy with it he probably thinks he could do a great job i think if he took over now is the time where a transition for a young head coach a lot of the guys already know him a lot of the people who've been recruiting already know him so if you were looking for any time for him to be a head coach now seemed like the perfect opportunity but given everything jared I really think that it's like the the office episode where Jim and Pe- they make the pros and cons list, you know? Let's make a pros and cons. And that's what I think is important to do because it's true that that is a con for, for two reasons. One, we've it's sort of like Carl Durrell, everything he does well We've already got one of those in Darren Chivarini. I mean, they're both receiver coaches. They both specialize in offense. They both really specialize with receivers. Now, keep in mind, Carl Durrell coached Darren was I, I was, was going to
1: add that. I, I want to get that fact out there. that I, I do think that is important to note because when considering, and i got to imagine that Rick George did have this thought going through his head, hey, how is this going to affect a guy that we believe is a key member of our staff? Well, by bringing in somebody that has coached him before, so has been sort of his pseudo-boss before, but also has been a mentor to him, not only during his time at CU, but since then, the two of them have stayed in touch. He's been a mentor as a coaching guide to, to Darren Chevrini. So I do think that connection is important to, for our audience to be aware of, if you weren't, that he happened to be the coach there during the time that Cher- Chevrini was there. So he recruited him. He was there coaching him, guiding him. So I do think that ho- will hopefully help the situation. And, and, and Carl Durrell did come out saying he believes Darren Chevrini will stick around on this staff. He wants him to be a part of the staff, and he thinks he'll be an integral part to what they're doing moving forward.
0: Uh, I mean, look, I think that them working together, knowing each other from the past certainly helps, but do you think that Chivarini looks at it as... Because I think it's almost a, there's only a couple guys who you could have brought in to where Shivarini is okay with it. And I think that's one of the few because it's like that whole seniority thing. It's like, okay, he's been around before. He's you know almost twice my age. He's coached me 20 years ago. So I think that if there was anyone who's coming in, strangely, even though none of us knew Carl Durrell, this is one of the few people who Shiv says you know what, it's it's okay. Maybe he's he's a little bit more uh, willing to accept this. What do you think about that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I and, and in just listening to some of the interviews from Carl Durrell since he's been hired, he did mention that he was in touch with not only Eric Biennemi but also Darren Cheverini during this process, even before Durrell's name was thrown into the ring. So he was in communication with these guys. He, he's been a, a, around them and involved. So I definitely think that will be a hopefully a pro in in, in keeping a guy
0: like uh, Darren Cheverini around. All right, let's take a uh, quick break. I mean, is, is there anything else you want to add in terms of his resume, his, his past, what we've seen before out of him? I mean, here, actually, no, no, let's not take a break because let's finish the pros-cons. What am I doing here? Let's, let's, let's
1: hey, we're in the off-season, <laughs> man. It's like, sometimes know, you got to right? work
0: out some wrinkles <laughs> a little exactly. bit. Exactly, all right. So in terms of the pros-cons, we've only done one con. Uh, I only have one more, so i got two cons, okay? Let me know if you have anything to add. The one we mentioned... He thrives where Shiverini thrives, so it's kind of like it seems redundant. You know, you don't have guys excelling who are leading the, the, the coaching staff. So maybe that's overblown, maybe not, but that is a con. The other, and look, uh, you can't help but notice that Carl Durrell has not necessarily elevated his career year by year. It seems like after that UCLA job it's kind of plateaued and he's sort of stayed a lateral position for a long time. You don't love to see that. What you love to see is coaches getting more and more opportunities and, and seeing other coaches take chances on Carl Durrell with, whether it's offensive coordinator or actual organizations taking a chance on him as a head coach. Now, It has been floated around that he's looked at as a head coach candidate in the NFL, so on and so forth, but I mean, those are just words. I've never actually seen it happen before, so that to me could be a con, is that he has kind of stayed in that lateral position now for a while, Jared. Yeah, and and I'll add on
1: top of that, uh, that I'm concerned at the fact that he has not ever spent more than three or four years, five years I think is the longest stint he's had. At any position yeah. with any team. Now it's different, and I just want to be clear on that. It is different when you are a positional coach. If your head coach gets fired, oftentimes they clean house. Uh, you know, whatever that might be, different opportunities. A lot of times, when you're a receivers coach, you may follow your offensive coordinator if he gets a head coaching job. So you may end up leaving. Those, those sorts of situations do happen, but it is it is you know I would say a con to me. A guy that has been around for 30 years and has been with 15 different. Programs It tells me that whole longevity, the stability you're looking for, is, is that really the guy for that? I, I think
0: time will tell. With uh, he's never had a job like this before. If he yeah, wins, I think not. he stays. All right, let's get to the pros. A, he has head coaching experience. Okay, We talked about this. He's been a head coach before. That's very important to me. Jared and I disagreed on this last week. The importance of having someone who's been in that position before, I think it's crucial that he's been a head coach before. I don't care when it was. He's been there. He learned from that experience, and I think it's a huge pro. Uh, number two, or B, did you go A first, A1, B2, who cares? Number two, <laughs> he has roots in the NFL, and he's got a long list of solid, qualified coaches that he's worked with that can join his staff. That's very underrated. He knows a lot of different people that have been around a lot of football. He's going to have a good staff, offense, defense, that he's bringing in here to Boulder. Especially the time of year that he was hired. Right now, that was one of the
1: biggest concerns. Well, everyone's already filled out their staffs in college right. football, so trying to pull from college football staffs, you're basically doing to another program what Mel Tucker has, has been doing to the Buffs. Pulling guys that you're counting on. What? What? We're now it's the 26th, I think, spring practices start in like two weeks, something like that. So- uh, so you know all of a sudden you're pulling these guys that's tough whereas you look at the nfl this is like the heart of the hiring season for the nfl you know you got nfl combine about to come up nfl draft this is when the scouting department's doing most of the work you're not doing a whole lot in fact you're doing zero on field stuff because in the nfl you're not allowed to have any contact with your players right now so i i actually think that is an important factor for bringing in and filling out a staff is that the connections he's made on the NFL level, if he can t- tap into
0: some of those, I think it could really help to bring a very qualified staff. Another positive, he has experience recruiting and coaching in the Pac-12. He knows this area. He's recruited here before. He's coached in this conference here before. Although it was the Pac-10, you know, he knows the, knows the landscape, okay? So uh, that that's certainly positive. And the fourth, he likes Colorado. He has a house here. He looks at this as his home. If he does win, it's much easier for a coach like that to stay here. I've said this before, Mel Tucker... I mean you don't you don't want to be so negative but the writing was kind of on the wall you know he he'd never been i'm pretty sure ma- it's uh, he'd never been that far west before in his life. I'm not sure necessarily of yeah, the Mississippi, we're, we're, but we're not geographers by yeah, yeah. any means. But <laughs> I'm as, like, as I'm drawing I'm like, that line, the Mississippi like Mississippi River, Ohio is State might have been this far west. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know where that goes, but he's but never not been this anywhere far close. west. Exactly. So I mean, he was probably itching to go back to the place he knew. Carl Durrell understands this area, knows it very well. So we're going to talk about that here coming up soon. We have some sound clips from the press conference where uh, Carl Durrell was introduced as the head coach of the CU Bulls. But right now, let's pay some bills and uh, coming on i back like i said we'll play some of that and uh, talk about i mean what we can expect next year from the cu football team all right guys uh it is what's the date today jared it is february 26th we are just about um, uh, two months away from sports betting being legal and I know a lot of you guys are going to listen to this right now, but hey, a lot of the listeners may be listening sometime over the off season. We got a ways until football season starts, and if you guys do like betting on college football, when things get going again, you're going to have a chance to legally do so on the CU Buffs. And if you guys want an outlet and a good website to use to do that, I'd check out TopNotchOdds.com. They're going to have a lot of different lines both before and during the games. So if you guys like to if you guys like to go in the games, get a nice little suite up there at Folsom Field, you can bet during the games on TopNotchOdds.com. Now remember. It's not legal till May 1st, right, Jared? That's right. Okay, thank you. So you got to wait until then. But once you do sign up, topnotchodds.com is your place to go. Put in promo code SHARPEDGE. It's going to get you up to a 200% deposit bonus online. Topnotchodds.com, promo code SHARPEDGE. All right, Jared, let's uh, wrap things up on the second and probably final off-season podcast. I know, look, I didn't know we were going to do any off-season pods. As we said goodbye last year... We were gonna pick things back up for the black and gold game, you know in 2020,
1: but don't don't worry fans case. i'll I'll talk Tyler in another <laughs> show or two. don't don't worry yeah, we'll we'll, like we'll get another case. one out for you guys
0: and, and there's been a lot that's changed though I mean, look at the landscape of college football. I have a mustache now. things are just weird.
1: I know I, you have a fine, vigorous mustache. you clearly come from superior stock. <laughs> It's just really mesmerized me right now. I, I yeah. cannot look Get the away.
0: handlebars going yeah. down. It's, uh, it's yeah. something else. The ladies must love it. Well, what can I say? All right, so we got some sound clips to play here. Obviously, uh, Carl Durrell introduces the CU head coach a few days ago, and uh, these sound clips from that press conference. So let's start off. Uh, Carl Durrell talked about... The fact that CU is a place he's wanted to be. Colorado is a place that he's wanted to be, and if he wins, he's not going anywhere.
2: We decided years ago that Colorado was going to be our home to stay when it was all said and done. And um, I did have that inkling in the back of my mind, though, that uh, my fondness for this university and getting a chance to be in this position uh, would be a dream. And... uh, It came true.
0: Now, that seemed real. That seemed honest. That seemed sincere. He seemed, actually, that was the only time during the whole interview or during the whole press conference, he kind of seemed to get emotional, but that didn't seem like he had that plan. He didn't seem like... You know he was he was forcing it. That seemed real, which is kind of weird because that was strangely reassuring. And, and, and look, some press conferences the guys just kill it. Some are better than others. And I'll I'll say this: he didn't get up there and absolutely mesmerize the room by any means. But I liked what I heard there, and that seemed very sincere. It seemed to me what I took, and as we go through some more of these clips and so in the interviews I've heard, he just he
1: seems like a guy that's just really. Uh, overwhelmed with the moment a little bit and just so excited for the opportunity that he has. And so I think the emotions sometimes they, they do start to creep in in situations like that. And and that's a good thing. I know that's sometimes you want this truly polished, you know, well presented guy, but I, I think sometimes just getting that true natural person coming through. It's good to see through, through that a little
0: bit. Well, and you want to know that he can talk to uh, the team and then he can address the team. You don't know what that's like behind closed doors But he talked about that, and he addressed the team, sat down with the players both individually and as a group. And actually, the reassuring thing is both Carl Durrell and the players think that they can win right now.
2: I was telling our players earlier in our meeting, I said, what what we do as a program stays within our program, but what we do on Saturdays will be a sight to be seen. So... What we expect our players to do and what they aspire to do, inspire to do for this year, they, they think they can win now. I was encouraged by that in our meeting this morning. So guess what? We're going for it now.
1: What do you think about that? I, I mean, to me, that is a little bit of coach speak. Of course, you're going to come and say, yeah, we believe we can win now. But uh, I, I like that that's how he addresses his players. Say, hey we we are going to do some big time things on, on Saturdays. And, and I think that is a little bit different than the message from Mel Tucker in that Mel Tucker was all about the discipline and the structure and everything. And you know what? You might be winning some 9-3 to three games and some not-so-flashy stuff. This is guy said, hey, we're going to go do
0: big-time things. You guys are going to have big Saturdays every week. I well, like to see that. I think it does a lot for the confidence of the players, too, because let's face it, these last couple of weeks were tough on fans, the, the other coaches, the, everyone around the, the program, but it wasn't harder on anyone but the players and the guys in that locker room, especially the upperclassmen who have been here for a while. I mean... Have gotten out through two coaching changes. crazy, man. So I think it was very important for him to sit down with the players, everyone, get on the same level, you know, let's kind of all put everything out there and I'm not so sure Carl Durrell is the same guy he is behind closed doors as we're seeing here on the press conference. Now, maybe he is. We're just getting to know him just like everybody else out there, but it's good. I mean, the players seem to be responsive. As you mentioned before the show, I haven't seen a huge list of players wanting to transfer anything like that. So it has been positive so far with his relationship, at least up to this point with the players. Now, it's not just about the players though. It's about the coaches and the staff. And Carl Durrell had a chance to catch up with them too. He said, look, and this was a few days ago that this press conference happened, but obviously there's going to be a tough mix here because Carl Durrell's going to want to bring in some of his own guys. He knows a lot of different guys who have been around football for a very long time, but also there's we know about Chivarini and potentially Jay Johnson and others who are currently on staff, so he did talk to his players, and he mentioned that as well.
2: I met with everyone just briefly just this morning just as an introductory meeting, but we'll, we'll get right into it interviewing the guys that were highly recommended, which are the guys that are here um, to me this afternoon. So I do need to work fast on building the staff. Uh, I feel it's fair for me to get a chance to visit with them first and and then we'll kind of piecemeal and go from there. So it'll probably be a process of over this week. I wanna meet with my players individually as well. So it's gonna be a busy time where it's probably gonna be burning the midnight candle a little bit, but. I need to meet with those players individually for for a time period as well. So I want to get that done, and there's a number of players to do that with.
0: I gotta say, it's not the most uh, uh, it's not the most uh, reassuring comments if you're a coach on staff. I think Shiverini knows he's safe. I don't know anyone else. I don't. Uh, maybe the weight, uh, the the weight uh, trainer. But I don't know. A lot of coaches like to bring their own strength guys in. That's a very important. I mean, that's one thing that you hear. Whether it's NFL or college, strength trainers follow these coaches around. So I'm not so sure about that. But I mean, if if you're not Schiavareni, don't you think that? You may be on a chopping block. I I don't think that's a bad thing though, Tyler, and not to say that yeah, I may not d- that may I love you know that I didn't
1: love or, or I wanted to see anyone go, but I think it's a mistake, and I don't care what level you're coaching on college, NFL, shoot, even high school. It you. To bring in a coach and then say this will be your staff, that, that doesn't work. That that's a situation that just right, works. So right. what I took from from what he said in that was very clear to me that this is his decision to make. Who's gonna stay and who's gonna go, which is the way it should be. And, and just to, to clarify on a few of the, the names that, that have been announced that have left to follow Mel Tucker, um, I, I do know Jay Johnson, offensive coordinator, has left and followed oh, okay, uh, okay, Mel okay. Tucker. I know offensive line, defensive line coach for various positions have left. But Tyson that's, Summers did uh, defensive coordinator still hanging around there uh carl dorrell which i gotta say this tyler you and i were talking about this (laughs) before the show and i am having this hardest time with carl dorrell i'm a huge movie person i grew up in the 90s one of my favorite actors all time jim carrey the mask the bad guy dorian (laughs) tyrell and i keep wanting to call carl dorrell dorian tyrell so i apologize to you (laughs) Story. <laughs> I almost did it there, <laughs> Carl Dorell and to our fans, if I do happen to call you by the uh, the uh, the villain in the mask uh, movie, that but was a good one. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I don't even know what I was saying at this point, but yeah, uh, yeah you know, so I, I think it's it's definitely um, a, a positive, you know, Carl Dorell being an offensive guy, Jay Johnson being offensive coordinator out, that's not a huge loss at no, this be point soon. because I don't think their their styles don't necessarily mesh uh, necessarily anyways and in what they were going to be doing, uh, but to see that. Tyson Summers hey that is a a potential guy that you could keep on could retain and maybe Maybe, keep some similar you know some some, some flow from last year he didn't
0: and Let's be honest. Wanna, Mel Tucker was truly the defensive. Yeah, and coordinator. exactly. I don't want to start ripping on this guy, but there's nothing. I mean, if he left, if Tyson Summers left, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't think twice about it. But and, I, and I'm sure there's a lot of of guys that Durrell knows that he can bring in.
1: I do believe the hire or or, or retaining of the defensive coordinator, whoever fills that spot, I think that is one of the most po- important positions to fill because I believe in what you've seen over uh, Dorrell's career that he, he's going to get an offense that you're going to feel pretty good about. You obviously have Chevrini hopefully still on staff as well. Darian Hagen still part of that staff as well. So so some good offensive coaches. So I think whoever you bring in to run the defense, if you can really solidify that and have a top-notch defense, you can feel really good about the re-
0: direction of this coaching staff. And that leads us right into our final quote today uh, from uh, Carl Durrell. He talks about the one thing that I think a lot of true fans are really wondering what kind of style are we going to see, Offensive, defensively? What's this team going to look like? Now, this clip's a little bit longer, about a minute and a half, but the new head coach of the CU Buffs goes in depth about what he's looking for in terms of style of play.
2: You're asking about our style of play, and I, I just want to I want to give you a preview of how I envision our 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 team, and it really comes from my fat my last experience here. Um, we had. The cornerstone of our, of our program was our defense. I'm an offensive coach, a wide receiver coach, quarterbacks, passing game, all that stuff, but I knew from the very heart of hearts, the, the program came from the cornerstone, which was our defense. Whether it was the Alfred Williams, Canavis McGees, Chad Browns, I can go on and on, Deion Figures, uh, Beekert, I mean, there's a number of great players that played in this league and played on a professional level, but it was the cornerstone of the team. I still believe in that as an offense, offensive coach, because if I have a great defense, they're turning the ball over and giving me more turns on offense. And that's what an offensive coach wants is more turns, because you get more points. And we didn't have a problem scoring points when we were here offensively, where I've had a couple of receivers, That matter of fact, Charles Johnson and Michael Westbrook were both thousand-yard receivers here in college. On this, you know, they were a thousand-yard thousand receiver tandem, so we were able to function well, prolifically offensively, with the defense being really the cornerstone of, of who we were.
0: So it's interesting there—an offensive head coach who spent his entire coaching career in the offensive side of the lo- or in the offensive side of the locker room, or coaching receivers, or calling the offense. He talked about defense for the majority of that answer, and I think that's very good and very key. And look, there there were other parts of the interview that were not going to play back or the press conference that were not going to play back, but it seems like he's really going to be hands-off. I mean, uh, there was one reporter who asked him if they're going to run a stay with the 3-4, run the 4-3. He's like, hey— I'm comfortable with 3-4. <laughs> he's like, So he's going to bring in a defensive guy to let him do his thing, which is promising to me, and he knows the importance. He's not all offense. I mean, look, when Mike Leach gets hired, it's good because Mike Leach is a good coach, but all he ever talks about is offense, and what struggles in, inherently with all Mike Leach's teams is the defense. So I think it's promising here that Carl Durrell stressing defense, stressing what he's going to want to see out of both sides of the ball.
1: And, and I do like to see that. While I know Buffs Nation doesn't want to hear me talk about any of the positives from Mel Tucker, but that's something that he brought that mindset in, that defense for that really hard-nosed mindset. So to see a coach not, not scrap that and go, nah, we're going to be a spread them out, air raid, we're going to go right. crazy scoring points. No, that's still the cornerstone. And, yeah, we're going to be a more prolific offense than what, what, what you would have seen from a, a Jay Johnson, Mel Tucker run team. But I think that to, to set that foundation that goes, no, 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 defense is still the number one most important thing for us.
0: Guys, it's not all bad. I know there was a lot of the sky is falling uh, when, and it wasn't just for the hiring, it was when Mel Tucker left. I mean, everyone was so, I mean, it was freaking out, just losing all their stuff. And it's okay. I mean, we got a good coach in here. I know a lot of people. It wasn't the sexy name you were looking for. But I promise you, this guy's been around. He knows a lot of good uh, 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 coaches to bring in on his staff. He's going to do a great job with the players, with the recruits, with the the, the recruits in high school that we were already talking to. I think the gap from Mel Tucker to Carl Durrell is not nearly as big as a lot of people are making it out to be. And I think that CU could surprise a lot of teams next year. Am I calling for them to win 10 games? No. And I'm sure you know what, Jerry, we may have another offseason pod closer to the season. Talking about the schedule, things like that, because we're not going to break down next season right now. Today's podcast was about introducing Carl Durrell, letting you guys know a little bit about this guy who, frankly, no one knew about to begin with. So I think we accomplished that today. Jerry. this guy's not falling. He's going to do a good job with CU, and if he wins, he's here to stay, which is promising.
1: Yeah, and I'll leave uh, Buff fans with this. Just think back 18 months ago when Mel Tucker was hired. We We didn't think that this was this great, you know— you know, knock knock the, the college football exactly. world on the, on their heels, and he I won mean, five games. Yeah, it was a guy that we go, okay, you know, I see the direction you're going. You're trying to tap an SEC, so you know, keep that in mind. I know that everybody felt really good about the direction Mel Tucker was taking this team, but give give Carl Durell a chance. Let him come in, prove to us as fans and and to the college football world that he's ready to take on another stint as a head coach and be a great head coach for the Colorado Buffaloes.
0: All right. That does it for today's show. Remember to give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on there for any news in terms of the podcast. Long off season coming up. So all you guys have a good couple months. We'll talk to you soon on the Bust Nation podcast.